He's the one guy that can match the Michigan three-point shooter, Luke Hancock. And he's done it to the tune of trying to get his team on the lead. And up ahead, Deceiva. Oh! And that's out by Harrell. And just like that, in the blink of an eye, Louisville comes from 12 down to take the lead. Hello, and welcome to another episode of What High School Did You Go To? I'm Gabe Diverge. I'm Chris Hatfield. Gabe, how are you doing? We're doing well, doing well. It's been a bit. I think we we had a, a week or so off, and uh, we are back at it just in time for tomorrow's governor's primary, Chris. Well, we wanted to you know talk about some things before then, but that we'll definitely be getting to that big topic tomorrow. Yeah, we're definitely going to talk about you know <laughs> all of that. Um, probably spend the, the better portion of this episode on that um, because that is the the primary theme around the bluegrass. There are a few things we want to hit on first. I do have a few things as I tend to do that I want to get to before that. You know, we we take a little time off from we here take and, our time. And, yeah. and, and things pop into my mind. And this first thing is, man, some of these the, these Draymond Green comments that have been coming out. Obviously, I, I mean, you're when you're listening to this episode, we'll know the result uh, of game of game four. It looks like Portland's up uh, 78, 72 in the third quarter here. Um, My, but, Myers Leonard is just bawling over everyone. Just dude, Myers man. Leonard, formerly of, of the Illini. <laughs> the, the, the fact that Myers Leonard dropped more in the first half than he ever dropped in a college game is, is pretty significant. <laughs> I, I, I think that's really special. I think Myers Leonard doing that to the Warriors and doing that to probably some of the fans that he looks a lot like is, is really enjoyable <laughs> for me. But my thing about, about Draymond Green that I, I think is interesting is I know, especially it seems like from a lot of mobile fans, and I'm sure it's because of the, the whole Russ Smith thing and the NCAA tournament, but he is very hated um, by a lot of people um, in the city of mobile. And I think that's, that's probably the, the, you know, prevailing feeling around the league um, just because of the way he plays. Um, yeah, absolutely. And, and, and you know, it, it's for the Warriors. And I get it. I, I do. I, I like Draymond a little bit more. Some other people sometimes it's just me playing devil's advocate, but I, I do think it's, you know, I, I enjoy some of the theatrics sometimes. Of course. But but some of the come at, the comments that came out of Game Three have me wondering if he is angling to to kind of improve his image around the league. Um, the the first one really was just like Draymond Green is really saying this, and it's I realized I had gotten to the point where I was doing more crying than playing. I'm sure it was disgusting to watch because it felt disgusting to play for. One. And that's that's just in the middle of a conference finals dropping a comment like that. It's just like it, it seems like to me, it, you know, he hired Rich Paul in the offseason. Obviously, Rich Paul, I, I shouldn't really have to introduce him. He, he's Rich Paul. He's represented a lot of successful NBA players. The guy knows what he's doing. Um, a, a very good. Of agent. course. Of course. I, I think a comment. Do you think a comment like that is I, I guess the question I have for you, do you think a comment like that is premeditated or is just Draymond Green just talking? Oh, I think I think it's definitely premeditated. I think especially this the the theme of this 2019 Warriors team, 2018-19 Warriors team has been what's happening after the end of this season. Right. And I think each guy has kind of maneuvered themselves in a way where that's um that you know they they're looking out for themselves as as uh, Bill Simmons likes to call it pre-agency you know you kind of um you kind of maneuver yourself you say some things that raise some eyebrows and i think that's one of those things and I, we kind of talked a little bit 
about the Warriors in the past and, and you know, who's going to leave, who's not. I personally think that Draymond is going to stay. Yeah, I my I, you know, being a Knicks fan, I I, I sincerely believe that KD is going to go to New York, if not New York's uh, the, the Clippers. So I think he's going to leave. Um, I think that 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 video of the of the Warriors on 60 Minutes was really weird. And it was like Clay and KD were the ones like didn't really act like they wanted to stay on the team still. Right. But they, that could have been Clay being Clay. We all know. He's not the most emotive of characters. So uh, my general theory is that those two guys leave. And I think Draymond could be in a position where it's him and Steph, him, Steph and Iguodala, um, maybe, maybe Clay Thompson. But it seems like they're going to be back to a Warriors team and a, a new era of the Warriors where Draymond gets to be a more public figure. He had to sort of step back when KD took yeah. over. Yeah, and I, I mean, there's a few things that have happened. Like, I, I don't know if, if Draymond Green's this. I, I think, like, for the the longest time, I thought that Draymond Green would stay um, because I, I think... I I think around the league, I'm not really sure how much he would be wanted. Um, I, I think, you know, he's an incredible player. I think he's one of the smartest basketball players in the NBA, um, honestly. Um, but, you know, he took that pay kill with the Warriors. He's going to be looking for probably a, a max type deal if he were to leave the Warriors. But, you know, that comment, um, the, the comment where he kind of came in protecting KD when he said it was absolutely ludicrous to think that the Warriors are better without Kevin Durant. Um, I've never really got the impression that that Draymond Green is of best friends of of Kevin Durant. You can, you know, NBA Twitter. At one point they were. Yeah. Yeah. NBA Twitter has its ways of kind of spicing these things up and maybe making them more than what they are. Mm -hmm. But I I don't know, man. Um, Just just something that's kind of been on my mind. And when I saw some of those comments, I was just like, wow. I mean, if if the guy is going to leave, you definitely think he's going to be positioned himself to make himself a more likable character because that's that's not his perception around the league right now i i, I don't know how many nba gms are going to say yeah this guy can you know he can drop a triple double any night but you know uh, so can russell westbrook um and and there, there's things that that he's brought um around the oklahoma city thunder that have not you know, uh, obviously his play on the court has helped him out tremendously, but it's not been the best thing for them. So interesting to me. No, it's definitely interesting. And I, and I think the Warriors are kind of in this interesting spot where it's like a lot of them are, are in, you know, the either the middle part, except for Iguodala, who, who is definitely in the second half of his career. But I think we could we could pretty much say for the rest of the Warriors uh, that they're either at the halfway point or the first half in each of their careers. Right. right. Or close to the halfway point, probably. Yeah, I would say Katie's in his prime. Steph's Katie's in his prime. He's prime. Right. Um, So I think all of these guys are in an interesting position where they've achieved so much to this point. Yeah. And they've created this dynasty. So what does it mean in this second phase? And they start thinking about legacy and they've got guys who are business. You know, they've been in San Francisco. They've got business guys like, man, like, I feel like now you've got to worry about like, what, who are people going to feel you were 30 years, 50 right. years? Soon? And I think Draymond probably is one of those people that that sincerely has thought about that and thought about the fact that he uh, isn't well liked and maybe now wants to, to create a legacy where, where he is more fondly thought of it. And he is thought of as that smart basketball player, instead of a guy who's yelling at, K- at KD in, in huddles and, and 
and yelling in in the locker room, "I am not a robot," which is still my, <laughs> my day. This is still to this day my favorite uh, Warriors anecdote ever. Um, but yeah, it's I don't know, man. It's really interesting. Uh, I mean, I mean the perspective of the Warriors, and I, I think Steph Curry um, and, and Draymond Green to a lesser extent would change pretty tremendously if you know, say, KD li- left and and uh, Clay Thompson left, and there they are again in the NBA Finals <laughs> competing. Steph Curry and uh, Draymond Green. Team. I mean that that would change a lot of the perspective that is of around Steph Curry. So that's fun. Um, I wanted to bring that up to begin with. Um, we can move on. We've got we got Jordan War to talk about. We've got Game of Thrones. We can talk about. So we got horse racing. Where, where, where do you want to go next? Well, let's knock out Game of Thrones really quick because okay. I know you're a huge Game of Thrones fan, Chris. <laughs> seen uh, all seen, the episodes. Seen every episodes. single episode yeah. twice twice you've already seen the finale twice no because you are not a game of thrones fan um but i've been in since day one i've been in uh, a dude a, i remember i'll never forget like three weeks before the show came out some guy i worked with was like what do you know about game of thrones it's like you, you mean that <laughs> new show like I've dark seen. room and, and, and that, or? <laughs> i was like you, you, i was like that new show that's coming out on hbo that's like sort of like lord of the ringsy it's like i've read all the books and they're dope as hell you gotta watch this show like, all right, man, that's cool. And I was hooked like episode one. I was like, oh, this is like the wire. But in like medieval times where I don't know everyone's name for the first five episodes. Right. <laughs> but um, yeah, so you wanted to ask me about Game of Thrones. No, I, I, I definitely want to pick your brain a little bit because I have never seen an episode of Game of Thrones. Um, at some point, I will probably visit that series. Um, I, it's definitely something I'm not going to ignore. At some point, I will. But yeah. I guess just just the topping off point is is were you satisfied with 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 the finale and the, and the show as a whole? And that's a, that's a pretty loaded question because I yeah I, I you know I I have this perspective that it's a little kind of silly um, to put so much credence into a final show, but I do think from you know an outsider's perspective that Game of Thrones kind of set up a lot of pressure on, on that final season by taking such oh, a yeah. long extended break. Oh yeah. Um, from from the seasons that that you know it, it it had to be good, and I know the last seasons caught a lot of a lot of criticism. Um, so yeah. I'm curious if that's just more of you know it, it had to be and it could never fulfill what it was or there are some really questions that you know it didn't deliver i i think it's really hard to answer and i'm going to give you two general thoughts one is mine one i cribbed from podcasts that i I listened to earlier today that I, i think really resonates first one is my own if you had told me at the beginning of this season okay here are all of the characters here are their fates. So like this person is dead. This person is alive and is the king of this. This person is alive and leaves to do this at the very end of the show. I probably would have gone through that list and said to 95% of them, I'm perfectly good. I think this is fitting fates for all of these characters that I care about. I'm good with that. But along the way, I think we sincere the 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 given as you mentioned the fact that they took so long, but not even just that the seventh season and the sixth season being shorter shorter seasons. Right. Typically, the seasons before that were ten episodes. I think season seven was seven episodes. Um, season six was six episodes, or season excuse me, season eight was six episodes. So I think those like 
truncated seasons really kind of made it a completely different show. And this podcast I listen to, uh, maybe you listen to it too. So, you know, some of the guys out there, some of the listeners out there called the watch on, um, on the ringer podcast network, they kind of made the point, And I, I think this is a really good one that the, the season and the finale that we got was the right and fitting finale for seasons seven and eight, but that that show in seasons seven and eight was not the same one we had one through six. Gotcha. And that it is really difficult. I do not envy uh, the two creators and writers of this show in taking literally 50 characters or it's like 250 characters, you know, have been in the show. Like in like probably 50 are important. You go from 50 important characters to to create a ending that works for every single one. That's that's so hard. That's yeah. incredibly difficult. And I, and I mean, when people talk about you know greatness of shows, they they immediately bring up you know Breaking Bad, Sopranos to a lesser extent, The Wire, things like that. And I mean, I always felt that I don't know how much of Breaking Bad you've seen. I'm assuming you you've oh seen I've seen yeah I've seen yeah. all of them. So I, I I felt that that Breaking Bad, the ending of the show was was pretty tremendous. But I I always felt Exquisite. like yeah I, I always felt like it was it was destined to go to that like it, it was a kind of a no-brainer for the writers because it, it felt like it, there was no other no other path that could really it, it could really end it right and no I, question, I think, yeah. think that made things easier so i i do have this kind of fascination with a people feeling like they have you know a, an obligation for a show to deliver because they've invested so much time in it and then I'm inclined to kind of agree with them even though it's it's kind of a weird thing to say and, and B that we put so much credence on the final couple of episodes of a show and I, I've heard for the last four to five years that seasons the, the last the first three seasons of Game of Thrones were, were some of the greatest things they've ever seen in television so I, I think that's what's interesting for me is that uh, some of the the feelings that people had in this last season kind of tarnished the legacy of, of Game of Thrones, and I, and I hope that's not the case. I think you know you're talking to someone in me, Chris, that like still like it's it's not my favorite show of all time, but it's like my sentimental favorite show of all time is but, Lost. Which is Lost had a, <laughs> that, that, that's all problematic. Lost had a garbage final season, but the highs of Lost are just like they were so high for me. Like they were just like it like taught me so much about like what storytelling is and like how to reach people emotionally and just the best episode. Like my favorite episode of television is a Lost episode. The constant is just like I I watch it. Nah, probably once a year. I, it's just I love that uh, that hour of television. It's just a perfect hour of television. But I know that it's not a perfect show. So like I'll probably I'll probably go in two years and go back and think about Game of Thrones and watch some of my favorite episodes and be like, man, the highs are so high. And that final season can't take away how high those highs were. If that makes sense. But in terms of like ranking it into like what I think the best quote unquote best shows ever are, it's it took a hit the past the past two seasons, even though I think the third episode this year was like to me one of probably one of the five, ten best episodes they've had um, in general. 
they made a lot of mistakes. They made a lot of they made a lot of decisions. I was like, what is this? <laughs> this makes no well, sense. But it goes into a lot of things of how you view storytelling. Is great storytelling, you know, is it measured on the highs that it brings you to, or is it measured on the way that it ends? I mean, one of the greatest pieces of writing that I I think both of us kind of have like uh, you know a strong opinion on these things because we both spent time dabbling in writing in in different ways. And one of the greatest pieces of writings I think I've ever read as far as it relates to sports it is Jim Murray talking about when he lost his eye and all of the things that one of those a, a tremendous baseball writer and it's <laughs> a lot of the things that that, that I had seen and he's just you know kind of going through the, the the history books of of things that have happened Babe Ruth um, and, and just all these great things and I, I wouldn't measure reading something like that by the last paragraph I, I measure yeah. uh, the, the words and, and you know the lead and the way <laughs> way the story is told to me. So, you know, it's it, it's interesting to me. I, I guess it is kind of what I'm saying is that the, the credence that a lot of people have put on Game of Thrones in this final season. And I and I wonder if some of the writers look back and they're like, maybe we shouldn't have done the, the, the episode structure the way we did. Maybe we should yeah. have took that extended break. Maybe we shouldn't have shortened the, the, the seasons because I, I do think that's a big part of it. Oh, yeah. And I do think I think Game of Thrones is under a magnifying glass. It literally it has. All it almost, it almost, I mean, we had we have Breaking Bad in the social media area and we I mean, we even had the wire to a lesser extent. But it yeah. really, really felt like the first show that we watched through Twitter. Like oh, no it, question. It, it felt like that in a big way. And I, I think that's a part of it for sure. I think it's yeah. I mean, like people, Joe, you know, I think it's been overwritten how Game of Thrones is the last like monocultural show. But it's it's I don't think that's wrong. I don't I don't. I don't I, I I mean, I think it's definitely monocultural. I, I think to a degree that that's 100 percent correct. And I mean, what, 18, they said 18 million people watched the episode of Game of Thrones legally through the HBO legal. That's sense. absurd, dude. So like and they suspect that over like another like 30 million probably watched illegally. So it's like. Come on, like I, 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 I don't know if you know, but I, I I know that some of the like the plot lines got leaked to like Reddit. Did that end up being like correct? I don't know which ones, but my understanding is because what? I know like I, I know like there were Vegas lines. There were Vegas. The Vegas lines turned out to be true. That is that is a hundred percent, which kind of sucks um, because when those came out, I was like, "There's no way that just doesn't make any sense," and they turned out to be the case. And uh, so yeah, let's. Um, but it, I think the th- one thing with Game of Thrones is that there's kind of not not to be this not to not to this. This sounds really pr- like yuppie of me, but I think like there are some things that people cared about with the show, like, quote, who's going to who's going to sit on the throne that like just really didn't matter to me. And I don't think really matter to people who love the characters of the show. It's like, I mean, I've just like seen some people be like, oh, that was just great, you know, to, to see that happen, to see this person uh, do this thing. And, and it's almost like approaching it from an action movie sense, which that's how some people watched it. But my favorite parts of Game of Thrones, some of them were the action sequences, but some of them were just when people literally sat at a table and made like crazy political moves against each other. 
Yeah. Again, that just that doesn't that doesn't take ten million dollars to to CGI a dragon. That you know, it's it's, it's completely uh, different. I, I am pretty proud of myself that I could you know spend ten minutes talking about Game of Thrones <laughs> and, and never seen an episode because I, I do think that's, that's it a was nice a good. Speed I enjoyed that was a great conversation. <laughs> do you want to what, what do you want to talk about? Do you want to talk about horse racing or you want to talk about Wara or? Let's do horse racing before we get to war. Let's do more. We haven't even spoke since the Kentucky Derby. And I don't know down that rabbit hole, but I know my, my literal, we can spend five minutes on it. We can spend 15 minutes on it. We can, we can see what happens. But my literal question for you is, do you think that, that this controversy that is spit, I mean, my God, I heard about it five days of radio and mobile. And it's, we look at it through a lens of, of being in the city of mobile. So I'm not really sure how it resonated on a national scale, but I almost think, and I mean, there's some numbers that are against me. The Preakness had one of the lowest ratings that it's ever had in the history of the sport. But I do almost think the controversy in the Derby was just as good for horse racing as having a triple crown winner. And that may be crazy of me to say, but <laughs> man, it, it kind of felt that way. I have never heard so many people talking about horse racing the, the google trends numbers they even i mean uh, the back-to-back triple crown winners never got as high it was a perfect google trend score uh, of 100 of the kentucky derby that day the previous ones got a 90 and an 80 and then the two weeks later it was 30 15 and uh, it was 30 compared to 15 and 12 i'm not really sure how they come up with that that number it's a, it's yeah. a scale to one it's like a rating but, out of 100 yeah yeah, yeah. So, I, I mean, it was definitely searched and it was definitely people wanted to talk about it. And I, I don't know how that translates for good for the sport, but damn, it, it seemed like a lot more people were talking about horse racing than ever before. Oh, no question. No question. And and I think I think you would have had a way bigger rating if some of the some more of the uh, the oh God, people, if we could have just got maximum security. If you would like listen, like I like I saw that story about uh, maximum security's owners being like, I'm going to pony up five million dollars to any horse that can beat uh, maximum security in a race as long as they, the other owners pony up at like five million dollars as well. And I think that's like the greatest idea ever. And I want to see that happen like tomorrow. And I think I think that would I think sincerely you would see a ton of owner or a, a ton of viewership on that. I think that I think that you have had a huge surge of conversation for sure. But because is, those is, actors that, didn't show up equal. Yeah. I, I just, I don't think that that people were interested in watching because no, none of the people showed up for the sequel, you know? Yeah. It's I, like, uh, it's, I'm like trying to think of a sequel that got like completely recast. Like <laughs> this is a really bad, this is the first one that came to mind, but like GI Joe two, like uh, Channing Tatum didn't show up for GI Joe two. The rock did, which was, it was fine. It was pre rocks, pre, pre the rock Renaissance. I but. mean, I'm pretty convinced by the year 2025 <laughs> that the rock is just going to be in every single movie that we have on TV. But anyway, that's my point here. It's like the, the, no one showed up. So why would you watch if, if, you you thought that the owners were going to get into a fight in the in the paddock. The owners who were involved weren't there to do it. It, it seems to me that some of these people that some of these owners of the horses, if they 
I don't know. Maybe it's callous to say, but it, they truly care about the sport. My God, you think they would be racing their horses in it because they know they know there's got to be value in that. I, and speaking about the five million dollars, I I don't think Country Horse wants to take him up on that offer. But if you're War of Will, that that might be interesting to my me. man. Country Horse says, um, I, shout to Country Horse and their dude. That is the, that is the, that those is the, dudes pulled the biggest grift of all time and are counting their dollars. Almost want him to never race again. <laughs> yeah, he's sick. He's sick. Not sick enough to go to stud, <laughs> to not go to stud, but he's just sick enough, man. He's sick enough. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, he, he's got a cough. Uh, I'm not sure what it'll be next week, but it's been something uh, different over the, <laughs> the, the, the past few weeks. But that is... That is that is really fun for me that they, these guys just won the freaking Kentucky Derby and dipped. I'm trying to think of one of the most like uh, Super Bowl wins that or NCAA tournament wins. If Butler would have beat Duke, that that may have been one that would have been like the most like crazy thing that ever happened. And it's like I guess UConn beating Kentucky. That's that's kind of what happened. Yeah, it would, it would be the, the the biggest comparison there. And then Kevin Ollie just giving that money and then just being garbage after that. <laughs> that, that that that's country horse there. Um, yeah. So I, I no, I think that was yeah, that, yeah, that kind no. of covers it. I, I'm really I interested have, in seeing who shows up to Belmont. Yeah. that'll be that'll be really interesting. I can get some massive TV ratings. I do want to drop this bomb in here real quick. That I know what you're about to say. I think. I, no, I, I you definitely don't know what I'm about to say because it's definitely it, it has to do with logic. <laughs> Oh, the, the the rapper Logic, and I wanted to know if you had just a quick thirty second take on Logic having a number a number one Billboard album for the third consecutive year in a row. I got no comment. That's what I got. <laughs> I got no comment. The Virginia basketball uh, of uh, uh, Virginia basketball. I, I kind of just wanted to say that, so maybe that that's why. There we go. What, what, uh, what did you think I was going to say? I thought you were going to ask me about the Michigan rumors. The Michigan rumors. Ed Cooley, oh. Ed Cooley of, of, of Providence. Word on the streets, it's a done deal. I've seen someone say that Juwan Howard is getting interviewed tomorrow. But it seems like Michigan is leaning towards Ed Cooley of Providence. And my man, Chris, do you know what that means? <laughs> <laughs> you tell me what that means because I, I'm going to let you say it. For the Providence job, Rick Patino comes home, <laughs> comes back home. To How take perfect it. would that be? It would be incredible. It would, comes back to take a, take on the team that he led to a Final Four. Oh, my Lord. I mean, what's funny <laughs> is that, that Rick Patino was just like the, the second biggest choice to get that Michigan job, which kind of just completely hit me out of left field. I think that just kind of shows like how like no one knew what to do. After yeah, that's just like a, that, that was so wild. That's one of the one of the more shocked I've been over a college basketball story, probably since the NCAA thing. Well, definitely since the NCAA thing. That that was just a, a real shocker, honestly. It, it, yeah, it's crazy, crazy. Well, let's, uh, let's talk some Jordan Moore. Let's talk some Jordan Moore before we get to the governor's primary. So Jordan Moore, uh, 
um, is is quote unquote 50 50 on coming back to Louisville or staying in the NBA draft. Uh, I think Jeff Greer probably has put out the best uh, explainer to date at this point today for the athletic. He basically said Wara wants a first round guarantee. And if he doesn't get that, then he'll really think hard about coming back. He seems to it doesn't seem like it's I, I don't know. I don't get the vibe as I as I have with other kind of draft decisions that he sincerely doesn't think that there's benefits coming home I, or to coming back. I, I just I don't I don't know. I don't know. I, I, I think Jordan Moore is coming back. Now, I'll say that from the get go. Like I, I just a lot of that. It, it feels that way to me. I think he really wants to go, but I don't think he's going to get the guarantee that that's going to lend him to make that decision. And I think Wara has a lot of smart people around him. Um, obviously, his dad coached the the Nigeria Olympic team. Um, so a, a basketball guy who is probably helping him in this in this um, this decision making. Obviously, his agent that he signed. Um, it, is helping him too, but it, it just seems like a lot of the things that are, they're that happening are, are kind of lending itself towards, towards him coming back. You, I mean, uh, we kind of know about the injury that he had that kept him out of the five on five. Um, right. Which but, I thought was fake. Let me, let me. Yeah. yeah. We, we, we talked about that at the beginning of the show before we went on here that we both kind of thought that wasn't a real thing. And then you brought it to my attention that he hadn't worked out with someone. Right. He hadn't, he hadn't done a single workout yet. And uh, so that's that that was because when I heard that he had this injury, I immediately texted some of my U of L fans, friends and be like, this does not look good. This is a, a big, hmm, a big, not good um, smile emoji um, because it felt like it was a I don't need to perform type thing. That was just really odd because right. as we kind of talked about before. This, you know, those five on five drills are, are sort of where where the guys who are projected to go in the 30s and 40s move up into the, you know, the 20s. So it would it was really odd for for me to not see him out there, but it definitely seems like it was a legitimate thing. Um, but I'm with you. I think the fact that the fact that he's having to like it, it almost comes off as like begging for a guarantee is not a good sign for, yeah, for I, him getting the guarantee. It seems like Wara would have been one of those guys that would have stood out in the five on fives because right. uh, you're not looking at someone's defense in, in, in a five on five basketball game. You're looking at a guy who can create his own shot and can kind of hit those those threes and then come off the screen and, and make shots. And that's that's what Wara does. Um, that that that's who he is. And I, I mean, if you're gonna play this game of, well, I'm not gonna get a first round guarantee. So if some team guarantees me a second round spot, then I'm gonna go to the NBA draft, which I've heard some people throw out. Um, that's that's a pretty dangerous game to play in my view because. Uh, we saw that with the NBA lottery thing. I mean, crazy things happen. The New Orleans yeah. Pelicans have the the number one dra- number one draft pick, so people can fall in the draft, and, th- and then suddenly a guy is available in the second round that uh, a guy didn't think would be available, and suddenly it's like, well. Jordan, we were going to take you, but, you know, Bola Bola is available right here. Um, so we're going to go ahead and, and take him instead. And then you're left in this position where, it, you know, he's just out there floating. And look, 
I I want Jordan War to come back, but I'll never be this guy who's going to criticize the the guy's decision. Um, obviously not. He's got to make the decision for him. But I think it's worth mentioning that if we look at it from the prism of you know if Jordan War returns, I think this team is you can dream as much as you want to. I, I think completely. the Stephen the, the, the Enoch decision matters, but it matters to a lesser extent. I don't even. Know what's going on with him? I would say he returns, but I haven't heard a single peep from anyone. He seems like well, more the, of a guy. Well, we had the, we had the Max Mac uh, comments. Wait, we Thursday. we did have the Mac comments on the Diener show. I, I, I do but that was also really weird to me because. I didn't like, I don't know. I didn't love that. He was kind of saying that yeah. like in place of Steven, which is kind of odd, but not necessarily that, that, that tips me off one way or the other, but that just, that felt kind of odd to me. No, that, I mean, you don't want the, and Ripetino had to kind of, people say that he, you know, he told Donovan Mitchell to come back, which didn't happen. Wasn't true. Didn't happen, but he did sometimes make some, right inflammatory comments about uh, people that were still in the draft when they didn't really have an opportunity to speak. So you don't really want to walk down that path, but you know, a day later we get some of the quotes from Wara about Chris Mack that kind of made me feel a little bit better saying how supportive he's been through this whole process. You know, he's been speaking to him every day. So I, I don't think that was Chris Mack's intent to put pressure yeah. on Stephen Enoch to say, Hey, you got to come back because I said it on a, you know, a, a morning radio show. I, the the comments definitely made me raise raise my eyebrows because he, I I don't want that at all. But I don't really know that that was his intent. I think that's fair. I think that I think that makes a, t- a ton of sense. So it'll be interesting to see. But yeah, it looks like we're not going to get a decision on war until the 29th next week. So. Um, if you hear before, I want to say that's not a good sign. Yeah, probably not. I mean, I, I think you you want to take it to the deadline if if it's a yeah, if, yeah. You're, if you're returning. But I don't know. It seems like to me he comes back. Um, outside of that, uh, the VJ King transfer is never not beneficial. It's kind of weird to me that it's not official yet. Um, I guess it's all but official because Chris Mack came out and said it, but there hasn't been like an actual release from the the university, which you know is a is a little strange to me because um, I wonder if that has to do with the fact that I believe he is not graduating until June. Oh, okay. Just huh. yeah, I think he has to take like a, a first summer session course. If I if if I recall correctly, that might have to do it. So outside of that, it, it kind of feels like everything's going to remain intact. I mean, there was a whole lot of speculation about you know Darius Perry transferring after. No, it seems like he's staying. The, yeah. the first pick, and I don't know. It, it's just it's exciting, man. Um, it's going to be really, really fun team. It's going to. And I, I, I think it's, it, you know, I'm, I'm not saying if Jordan leaves that it's it's a final four team still. But I, I do I do want to caution, you know, worst comes to worst. They lose Jordan. I, I don't I don't think that means they're not a top 25. If not, I mean, top 15 team, I think is possible still. I think second weekend is still possible without Jordan or that's for sure. Have you been surprised by some of the people that have had them as high as they've had them? I mean, I've seen I think. Oh, yeah. Gary oh, yeah. Pears at them like fourth. Yeah, there was at one point I think there were two at CBS. Um, 
bananas. Just I, I don't know. I, yeah, I, yeah, I, Gary I, Price, yeah, yeah. I had him at a fourth. That's 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 kind of crazy. I'm right there with you, man. It's been it's been odd. It's it's um, they're higher on the team than I am. I, I I've got to see some stuff where I can <laughs> play that, my man. But uh, yeah. we'll see. I'm sure. I I am excited to kind of get those things finalized so we can just uh, spend the summer. The, the fun part for me is always like the summer workouts, man. When the freshmen get in and there's. Yeah. You know, like I just like loved I think you posted it like the the Gahan uh, post uh, the, the him dunking as like the the advertisement. Yeah. yeah, as the advertisement for the. Um, uh, no, I mean, the one that they use as the advertisement. for. The oh, Texas yeah. For, for the Texas Tech game, how they're kind of promoting the freshmen. Yeah. yeah. And that's just like, man, like that's the type of stuff we haven't seen. And, and it's just I'm going to love following these these kids, this freshman class this summer. I, I've already followed all of them on Instagram already. Uh, they're going to start to come into campus in the next few weeks. It's going to be a ton of fun to watch them just like working out, doing dumb stuff at the mini. Um, it's it's yeah. going to be great. I'm going to enjoy it. Yeah, uh, I will say it on this podcast because I haven't said it on this podcast yet. I've said it everywhere except this podcast, but I will tell you that I think Samuel Williamson is a one and done. Um, and and we, we, we can move on from there. We'll but see. I, we'll I, I, see. I wanted to put that on record. <laughs> you have. I think you've said it before, but please keep saying it so that when it's true, we can just uh, we can just tweet at people and be please credit what high school did you go to? <laughs> <laughs> All right, man, let's talk about this governor's race. Let's do it. I think we should start with the big news from the Courier Journal over the weekend, Chris. Their endorsement of Adam Edelin, uh, the Courier. They it sounds like they kind of reformatted how they their their endorsement team. I saw several tweets kind of the past few weeks of them interviewing all three of the governor's candidates. I, I don't know if they met with Jeff Young, but they kind of already said that they weren't like going <laughs> to really take yeah, him seriously. Yeah. They got to yeah. stay in the article, but that felt like a really big moment. Uh, I, I think to to you know, kind of go along with 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 the perceived momentum that I, I think we both agree Edelin has in Louisville, especially. But it yeah, I mean, to that, Chris, cause I, I, I honestly kind of thought that Bashir was going to get it. I really did. I thought we would definitely get the Courier Journal nod for, for Steve Bashir, especially because people really haven't. I, I mean, there hasn't there's not a lot of like talk that I've seen about in this election about, you know, Steve Bashir's from uh, or Annie Bashir. Sorry, we said Steve Bashir. Oh, gosh, we said Steve Bashir. We said it about three times now. It happened. Oh, God. We're not, we're not the first to do it. We'll, we're, we're fine. The so, Freudian slip. A Freudian slip. <laughs> but, yeah, people haven't really spoke much about Annie Bashir being from Louisville. Um, so, I mean, that, that, that's a thing that is, you know, is the case. Um, and that, that kind of surprised me, but following Adam Eden on Instagram, it seems like he's just been picking up endorsements from everywhere. Um, but, but the Courier Journal one was a big moment. And I think it kind of just climaxed in, in some of this momentum that the guy has just really picked up over these last two weeks. I mean, there's been a lot of, you know, we, we've talked about it here and we, we've talked about it personally, but there's been a lot of uh, investments, um, um, uh, over the last few weeks uh, into his campaign. And that 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 moment to me, uh, getting that endorsement from the current journal just kind of felt like the high point uh, of all this th- this downhill momentum. 
Absolutely. Yeah. You mentioned that he was getting a lot of uh, endorsements. He got one from the, the Louisville fire department, uh, the, the union, excuse me, of firefighters. He got one from the fairness campaign of Louisville, uh, Kentucky sort of Commonwealth, all, uh, several, several local, uh, the Louisville defender, which is the, the black newspaper, yeah. um, that, that, you know, very, very old newspapers represents, um, West Louisville primarily. Um, but he, yeah, it's, it's felt like he's had momentum at Louisville. And obviously, you know, we can't speak to, to other parts of the, this, the state that it seems like are experiencing different kinds of momentum for, for different candidates. Um, but it's going to come out to turn out, you know, 12, 12.5% of the people are going to vote. So it seems like that's, and, and, you know, how much Louisville comes out and how much the, if Edelin wants to win, he's got to get Louisville to come out, you know, I think we've sort of been kind of upfront, Chris, that we both um, are leaning in that direction uh, with Adam Edelin. And, and I've, you know, I, I have some friends who, who pretty, pretty, pretty involved in the campaign as I believe you do as well. And yeah. they, they seem pretty confident in their get out the vote. They, yeah, they I mean, pretty yeah. extensively in Louisville and Lexington. And it sounds like uh, um, Ellensboro as well. Um pretty heavily to, to, or Henderson, excuse me, Henderson County, um, to, to do that pretty, pretty extensively. Yeah. And I mean, we're hope you're, you're listening to this podcast in the morning of, uh, of election day as we're recording this tonight and, and obviously yeah. listening to it, it'll be election day and you'll be going to the polls, but it, it's worth mentioning that, you know, Adam Elon is telling supporters that he, he expects a win. And I mean, obviously, I, I don't know that that's a, like a significant news. I would think, you know, every candidate is going to be telling their supporters they expect a win. But that yes. means they're, they're making plans to, to have, you know, fundraisers after the election to get things kind of going in the direction of defeating, you know, Matt Bevin in, in the general election. And I, I do want to kind of circle around to the point of voter turnout and and how it relates to Louisville and how it relates to Lexington. We can all agree that a low voter turnout probably fares the best for, for Bashir, right? I think so. But Edelin's people are Joe Holland had a, had a quote. He said he thinks a low turnout actually benefits them. I, I don't I, understand I, I if think you can really feel that way because I feel like the people that are – I don't know. I don't know. Did, did he give any like explanation why he felt that way or was it just no, you know, I think, something I think he said I think he said because I think if you have low turnout statewide, then then a you know a larger uh, an above average turnout in Louisville could have a a more outsized impact. Yeah. I think is their thinking, but. Any that's the thing. And I sort of spent a few weeks kind of wondering why there wasn't really any polling uh, being done. But but then I kind of realized there's no point if no one's going to show up. Right. And if if you're going to have less than 20 percent statewide showing up, um, I think, you know, I, 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 was, I spent like an hour today, like trying to find some tweets that I'd seen a few a few days ago uh, that specifically, excuse me, specifically kind of outlined sort of what turnout might be, you know, historically. And I think if Louisville kind of gets over 20 percent turnout, um, that's where you really will start thinking Edelin. Um, just just because um, the way that they're expecting things to turn out here, if, if you continue it. Um, 
anything lower than that. And, and it's, it's going to be interesting, but, but I th- also think you're in kind of an interesting spot where if, if there, if Bashir is kind of dominating out in Western Kentucky and does take some of the Louisville vote away from Edelin and it's closer in, in, in Louisville, then you've got Rocky out in the, in the, in the Eastern part of the, of the yeah, state. Who I, is, I, I did want to hit a little bit on the, the Eastern Kentucky part because so here's the thing. Uh, everyone's going into kind of this election with uh, with the uh, impression that that Rocky Atkins is is probably going to kill in Eastern Kentucky, and that's probably a fair session. I mean, you've talked about it at length on this podcast how people mm-hmm. kind of just approach him as as a god. Um, yeah. and, yes, that's that's what, how he's been described to me. It, but what and, I found fascinating in the, in the 2016 uh, Democratic, the presidential Democratic election, is how much Bernie cleaned up in Eastern Kentucky. And like, I get it. Like, uh, there was the, the comments that Hillary Clinton made about coal country um, that, that were really a significant part in, in that, that 2016 uh, presidential election that— right. That probably alienated a lot of those people. But to me, some of the I mean, literally the entire pretty much the entire portion of eastern Kentucky voted for for Bernie. And to me, that says that some of these people, you know, when you're talking about solar energy and you're talking about making coal jobs and giving them other opportunities that are not in the coal mines, that resonates with some people, some of those people. And I mean, it's not it's not that he's going to pull significant numbers in eastern Kentucky. It's not that. That he's gonna, you know, put up put up big numbers and take away much votes for Rocky Atkins. But I do think he may be able to compete in certain parts of Eastern Kentucky where it's a it's a little bit more than people think. And that and that was interesting to me that they are willing to vote for a press progressive candidate. I mean, if if there's anybody in this race that would align with Bernie Sanders, it would have to be Adam Eden, right? I mean, yeah, I think I think that's fair. But I I do think that that might that might come more into play in a general election. If Edelin won, if Edelin pulls it out, that he can pull on some of those strings. Cause I wonder, I wonder if he spent enough time in Eastern Kentucky to, to really kind of, kind of finagle that vote. Yeah. Because you, it's really he hard. He hasn't really made, of, made a, much of an effort. He spent a lot yeah. of time in Louisville. He spent a lot of time in Louisville. Um, he's from Lexington. He spent a pretty significant amount of time there. He spent a lot of time in Owensboro. Um, I haven't really seen much of an effort in Western Kentucky, really, either. I'm not sure about that one. But yeah, yeah. I think he, he spent a little bit of time in. Um, in the Covington area as well. And then probably some, and, and I've seen some pictures of him in Bowling Green. Um, but yeah, no, I, I, I wonder if that's sort of the type of deal that he can, you know, it's it, Kentucky is a big state. So yeah. if I don't, I think it's sort of an opportunity cost for him where he, he could spend that time kind of cultivating those relationships or he could get out the vote in, in Louisville and have bigger sized events instead of, you know, just in, in houses and in small houses in Eastern Kentucky. Um, so I, I, I agree. I think, you know, if we do see some some wins, some, you know, some some higher than expected vote counts in, in Eastern Kentucky and we'll those are the votes we're going to get right away. That's the right. thing is the Louisville votes are going to take a while. So, well, that's that's what's going to be really interesting about about the night is you'll have I think you'll have a really, really good idea early if Rocky Atkins is going to win because you'll see super, you know, I mean, higher than what's expected turnout in eastern Kentucky and it will be going for him. I think that's where you'll know 
either a, he's going to have a real big chance at this or he's like going to win. I think you're going to know that right away, whether he's kind of in the hunt or not, just because of, of those types of things. Western Kentucky always takes a little bit longer because they're, you know, closer to the, to the timeline and stuff like that. And then Louisville, you'll have some of the counties, some of the precincts in Louisville will take not too badly, but we'll, we'll see. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, it, it seems like, especially hearing from, you know, some of the people in, in my hometown uh, of Nelson County and, and Barstown, that Rocky Atkins has really done a good job of resonating with some of these people in, in the smaller communities of Louisville. But I think part of that reason is because they think that he is one of the better options to defeat Matt Bevan, uh, I think, and, and you know, I, I think they have a good point there. Uh, if it's a oh, yeah. guy that, that that can potentially pull some Republican votes, um, and and by some of the, some of the kind of the the, the tightrope that Rocky Atkins has walked with, you know, not really giving a direct stance on his view on abortion. Um, and things like that, that that is putting him in that position to, to kind of pull some of those Republican votes. So I guess kind of my question is who, from your perspective, who do you think is the best candidate to defeat Matt Bevan? I mean, I'll, I'll say this, Chris. I'm, I'm willing to say this even as a, per, a person who has a an Edel and sign out in his front port, you know, on, on his front de- um, lawn, excuse me. If Rocky Atkins wins on Tuesday morning, I will have some solace knowing that Matt Bevin is going to lose in November. I, I, truly, I, don't think there, I don't think there's any question. I truly be. 100% believe that Rocky Atkins will no question beat Matt Bevin. I, I truly believe that because I, it's true. I think, I think he is a person who could steal a lot of votes and you you've seen, or I think we both talked uh, about some, you know, some Republican members of, of the house, uh, the Kentucky house and just general, you know, kind of political figures who apparently are, are scared. <laughs> they don't want to see Atkins. I think Edelin is the, is the only person that, can get Louisville to turn out big. So I think he's next for me in terms of uh, ability to win because he can create huge, you know, swells of, of popularity and turnout in Louisville, which would definitely um, position himself for a win. And, and, and I've done, you know, just, you know, not not like very mathematically sound research, but if you want to look and see why uh, Matt Bevan won in 2015, the answer is in the Jefferson County turnout. It wasn't there. It just wasn't there. Does Jack Conway feel much different from from Andy? And Bashir? that's my I problem. Mean, my that's Lord, my problem. He like the same exact person. And I, I think if Andy Bashir is in that in that role, I think there's a legitimate chance that he could lose to Matt Bevan. I really feel that way. I completely I, agree. I completely I, agree because, because I, I think the storyline then shifts to uh, you know kind of some of that that Trump perspective, which would be a weird role for Matt Bevan to play as a standing governor, but he can still take that perspective of this guy is a legacy candidate. He's a career politician. He's been involved in politics his whole life. Why would you want someone like that? You want someone who knows what's going on. Um, but but the funny part of about the, the whole Rocky Atkins thing is it, a former basketball star winning uh, election for governor 
almost sets up this this thing in 2020 to where Matt Jones is like, yo. <laughs> I mean, really? Like, no, I, no, no. I think that this this kind of harnessing some of this basketball fandom stuff may work. I mean, that's obviously like a like a totally different thing. Yeah, Murray says different. But you mentioned you something. What I'm saying. Yeah, yeah, completely. You mentioned something that I think is we haven't even talked about. You mentioned Donald Trump, and I think I, I certainly believe that Donald Trump is going to um, is going to campaign for. Do you Matt, think so? A ton, a ton. No, a hundred percent, a ton. He's going to campaign a ton for Matt Bevin. So here's the thing: the if he does that against um, against Rocky Atkins, I don't think that works very well because Rocky Atkins is if is socially conservative, and it doesn't really it doesn't really flesh with him. I, I think Rocky Atkins is the type of candidate can be like, well, are you going to listen to Donald Trump? Is from New York City? You going to listen to Rocky Atkins? That's from. East that, I mean, that's going to resonate with even Republicans. Yeah. And then if you and then if you put him up against Adam Edelin, Adam Edelin can go to Louisville and be like, this is about Donald Trump. You yeah. guys voted 70 percent for Hillary Clinton. Show up. <laughs> Show up. Don't let him win this. And then if it goes for if we're if we're talking about Andy Brashear, I think it works perfectly. It's just as you mentioned. I think Donald Trump works perfectly in that situation. He can talk about drain the swamp. He can talk about all that business. I mean, <laughs> it, 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 like he literally the script is written for him, right? I mean, I completely agree. Uh, one question we have down here, and we haven't really answered. We kind of danced around it a little bit, but who do you think that that, that the high voter turnout benefits most? Because I do tend to think that it that it does benefit Adam Eland, regardless of what what Gil Holland would say. I. <laughs> <laughs> I think if you're getting 20% in Louisville and you're getting 20% in Lexington, uh, that that's a good thing for Adam Edelman. But I can uh, I completely uh, agree. I think I think if Louisville is is close to 20% over 20%, then that's that looks really good for Elon right away. Yeah. And and of course you're gonna see a ton of you're gonna see a ton of tweets on, on Tuesday saying, oh, it looks like the the turnout's really low here. It's really high here. But that's all you can't you can't take that as it is. But it will be interesting. I definitely will be following those types things all day long um, i mean uh, the, the way i kind of imagine things on uh, unrolling here is that we get we get the eastern kentucky votes uh pretty early obviously right and, and rocky atkins has me you know maybe a, a decent lead i do not think it'll be sizable as as people think i, I think you're looking at maybe six seven percentage points um there um and elin and bashir kind of you know they're in the middle. And then I think once we get to Lexington and Louisville, things are obviously going to get really interesting. Um, and it, it's going to be one that's that's probably going to go into the late night. It, it, it's going to be a close election. I, I think it, it feels like to me that that Adam Elon is going to be the one who comes out on top. Um, and I'm not just saying that as a guy who supports him. It just feels like uh, there's been a lot of, you know, uh, it was a month ago that we recorded and we talked about how some of his internal pollings had him at the six to five percent behind this year. And it, if he hasn't closed that gap now, it's damn close. I mean, it it feels like he certainly has. Yeah, no, it's I think I think I mean, obviously, you know, we've said we're we're, we're here in Louisville. I only see signs for Adam Elon. I don't see signs for yeah. for Andy Bashir. 
I, I certainly don't see him for Atkins, but I, I don't see them for for Andy Bashir anywhere. I've seen one it, just around the corner and I've literally like driven around my like parents neighborhoods, my in-laws neighborhood, uh, a little bit in the Highlands just to kind of get the vibe. Yeah, and, dude, Adam and Adam is everywhere in the house. He's They're everywhere in Louisville. He's everywhere in Louisville. And it's it's going to be really interesting to see. It's, my, you know, the people I know who have been involved in the campaign say they have talked to they've talked to more people in Louisville than they think will vote in the entire state. Yeah, I, 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 guess, I guess the reason why I keep circling back to like the, the Eastern Kentucky perspective is I, I think that's going to be like a long standing approach for Democrats as we go into the presidential election is talking to there, there's going to have to be some type of pivot and it's going to have to be, you know, if you want to go after Appalachian voters, you're going to have to speak to them. And the, the, the answer isn't going to be, hey, Coe's dead. It's going to have to be, why are we going to get what jobs are we going to how do, are we going to help you? How are we going to help you? And I, I think that is that that's really interesting to me that Adam Eden has came out and talked about the solar energy thing, the environmental things, the things that these people can resonate with if the opportunity is there. And I think if that works in Eastern Kentucky in this small sample size, you may see that from some people going forward. You may see that in West Virginia. You may see that in Virginia. You may see that in the presidential election, depending on if it's Joe Biden, if it's Bernie Sanders, if it's Elizabeth Warren. You may. See see more of a conversation about, you know, there's obviously going to be the immigration topics and, and, and all of that, but you may be see a more of a conversation about climate change and, and you know, uh, awaking Appalachian and, and getting those those people to work. No question. And, and, and there's been a fascinating part of this election for me. I, I completely agree. And I, I'm really interested in seeing how that turns out. And there's, uh, you know, since sort of uh, since 2016, I, I've I've kind of followed some of the movement and some of the progressive people uh, who've come out and uh, there's a really good podcast called the, what's it like the trill, like the, the trillbillies or something like that. And they're like these dudes. Uh, what? Well, yeah. Yeah. The trill at the trillbillies. I like that. Um, and they are like a, a very progressive podcast and they're from Whitesburg, Kentucky. And they talk a lot about, um, you know, a lot about, you know, kind of progressive politics and things that are happening out there. They've done, they've done some really cool videos about mountaintop removal um, mm-hmm. and, and environmental issues recently that I've seen. So if anybody's listening and interested in, you know, EKY and, and progressivism, that's that's out there for you. Yeah. And I don't know. Hey, we'll end up repeating ourselves here. But that that is that is it's fun for me as being just kind of a political nerd and a guy who just enjoys this stuff just not even from like who don't want to win but just why people vote the way they do oh yeah um, and it's it's fun because like obviously uh, the Democratic Party is at a tipping point and there needs to be some type of new message. And it's cool that a state that we live in is kind of going to be like an experimental ground for some of this this movement going forward. It's, oh, yeah, there's going to be. It's really I really cool do. that Kentucky matters uh, on, no on question. a national scale, you know? Yeah. Yeah, no question. I, I'm telling you, man. You know, Trump's gonna be bored this fall. He, he he's gonna <laughs> come by a lot. He's gonna it's gonna be wild. Yeah. I bet you. I can't wait. You know, just uh, just for all the jokes I'll make if he like goes to, like rep. You know, I'll just make a lot of really bad jokes and oh, man, um, a lot pray, prayers for me if that happens. <laughs> oh man, Chris, so I warriors think, have pushed this thing into overtime. Yeah, I th- I, it seems like they're gonna win. So uh, congrats, Golden <laughs> State. 
congrats to uh, them and Kevin Durant. Congrats to, congrats to Colin Kaepernick. Man. Congrats to Colin Kaepernick, who's sitting on the sidelines and, and hanging out. Congrats to uh, all the Uber, um, all the Uber shareholders uh, yeah. in San Francisco. Yeah, good for them. But I think that's all we've got for this time, Chris. I think this was a good episode. Yeah, I, I enjoyed it. All right, guys, go out and vote if you haven't uh, if you haven't already. Uh, and we will talk to you next time. Take care.